Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome back to another installment of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colton Molesky, and of course, I'm joined by Corey DLJ and producer Nico. We're all here, gathered up and ready to talk a little Houston Texans football. And some good news despite a few losses, Corey. There's some uh, some rookies on this team getting recognized. CBS Sports, as we dive right into news for the Texans, Recognizing and listing some of the accomplishments of Jalen Petrie and Derek Stingley Jr. cracking the top rookie list for CBS Sports. I feel like this defense is starting to draw some attention from from outside, from national media. Well, I mean, the cynic in me says, of course, they've played a thousand snaps. Um, at this point, they're all seasoned veterans. By week nine, they'll have played a thousand hours of football. So, yeah, they should be getting all the recognition because they're on TV almost as much as Ryan Seacrest at this point. Um, but, no, it is very exciting because Ryan Petre is – I like Petre. Not Ryan Petre, sorry. I like Petre, though, a lot. I thought that that was – I like both the picks, Stingley Jr. and Petre. I thought those were good, exciting picks. And then they've gone out there and they've performed well. Uh, you know, Stingley Jr., he got the, – the Broncos game was a little tough for him. The matchup with Sutton was – a legit matchup but Sutton's a big dude and he know and he's a veteran he knows all the tricks of the trade but Stingley Jr they had the 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 red zone driver he held up and matter of fact batted away a pass and forced Sutton to catch a ball out of bounds so in two of the four plays they attacked Stingley Jr and he survived so I do think that these rookies are really having an opportunity to showcase why they were worthy of picks. Uh, Christian Harris at some point allegedly will be healthy and also be in this rotation. If that happens and he lives up to expectation, you've got three really good potential long-term core defensive players on that roster. Then all of a sudden that would be a really great thing to come out of this first season with right because this is season one of some kind of rebuild right new general manager new head coach you know question marks everywhere but if you come out of this first draft with three defensive starters with uh green on the offensive line consistently playing well then and knowing what you're going to do at quarterback whether that's keeping him or letting him go but knowing what you're going to do at quarterback then you're in a really good spot for a first year of a rebuild. You know what I think about when I think about some of those games that Derek Stingley Jr. has been in, like the Broncos games? There's definitely some drives where I feel like you lose a rookie when something goes south. Like when a, a big play gets let up by a rookie corner or maybe a rookie safety, it feels like you lose him for the drive. I never think that he is out of it for a drive. Even when he like lets up a big catch, 
I don't think that, oh boy, they're going to pick up on, on him this drive. He's going to let up another couple of catches. It's going to be in his head for this drive, and maybe he'll come back. He's never out of it for a drive. He might lose on a play, but I feel like he's going to come back on the play, on the next play, you know? Like, it never feels like mentally he is defeated on a drive, which I think is a really big deal for a rookie. <laughs> and I, I think, Jalen, you could say the same the thing. The term you're looking for is battling. They are battling. They're, uh, and you're right. I do think Stingley Jr., exactly. they, he, he gets a little bit like a ship at sea, right? He gets tossed around a little bit maybe because they're using him in weird things because he's not necessarily a zone player. However, they don't have enough good man coverage people to consistently play man coverage. Therefore, a lot of times they're using him in ways he's not necessarily comfortable and you do come out of some plays with him kind of looking around, hand gesturing. You could tell he's asking somebody like, "Hey, man, I released him because you're supposed to pick him up. Where were you?" And they're like, "No, no, no, no. You don't, you don't dump him on the cover three. You gotta, you gotta roll with them." And he's like, "Oh, man." So you can see that they're having those conversations on the sideline. But I do agree that he's staying in games. Peyton Manning used to just murder a rookie. Like you could see a whole guy's career end. In a, in a Colts game, when Peyton Manning would be like, oh, back shoulder fade, we're going to come over here, the receiver's going to do double move, and when he comes out and, and starts breaking to the sideline, the ball's going to be right there, and the corner's just spinning around in circles like a guy who's thrown his controller. Like, you, you don't see that with Stingley Jr., and that is, and you're right, he is trying to figure it out, because I do I do believe Lovey Smith and the Texans have, are basically telling these rookies, if you're healthy and can play, we're going to leave you out there. Because there's no one behind him. That's the other thing. No, you're absolutely right. And I got to say, this is a lot more positive than the other piece of Texans news, which I wanted to get to. Uh, the, the comments from Lovey Smith, not sure exactly why Davis Mills and the offense is struggling. I don't think it's ever great when you see a head coach looking at something and saying, yeah, I've... I don't know why it's not working either. <laughs> and I get that's not exactly what he said, but also that was the vibe. it kind of feels like Yeah, that was the vibe. The vibe was wrong. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> the vibes yeah. were bad. That's right. It's not what you want from your head coach. We we did we touched on the comments briefly. We we got more into the numbers, which I know you and I are gonna go over here in a second. But the, the truth is his answer was essentially as soon as I figure it out, we're gonna make the changes we need to make. That's not really, I mean, good. Like, yeah, as soon as you figure out what you need to do, you're going to do it. That part fills me with hope and inspiration. My question is, when's that going to happen? I'm not 100% sure if you're looking at a, a team, a roster, uh, three weeks of production and still coming up with question marks. I'm not sure if you're going to have the answers readily available. Definitely not week five or week four, excuse me, against the Chargers team. Absolutely jam-packed with talent on the defensive end. So whatever offensive turnaround they're hoping to find, I, I don't think it's coming this uh, week. Listen, Jacksonville, I have a lot of questions about Jacksonville's offense as a whole. They move the ball very well, though, so I'm kind of hoping that there's something on that tape that uh, the Texans can steal, beg, and borrow? I don't know. I'm not sure yet. But I hope that there's something there for the Texans to be able to use. Some of it might just be that the Chargers, when they know uh, Justin Herbert's hurt. Hey, I got his name right. When they know that he's hurt, uh, 
it takes a little bit of wind out of their sails. Because he didn't play very good at all last week. I, well, and to be fair, I mean, he's got a bunch of broken ribs. You've got whoa, the whoa, whoa, that, broken cartilage. Uh, pulled the Kevorkian on Tyrod Taylor, <laughs> uh, working on his ribs. So yeah, we we talked about that by the way. We <laughs> we weren't expecting the stellar performance that Herbert usually delivers in that game. We we talked last year when it happened. Nico and I kind of just laughed about poor Tyrod Taylor trying to be a leader and a man amongst men, and then he has to go to the hospital for having a numb lung. That's not a good thing, um, but but I don't know. I don't know. Look, you got cracked cartilage. Even if they numb you up, I don't. Your range of motion has got to be insanely limited. The cartilage, for those who are even kind of curious, is the whole front part of your sternum. Uh, it still hurts. It still hurts real, real bad. It also, though, just limits the movement. And even if they were to numb that, when your back muscles and everything else that are attached, when those move, when your shoulder blades move, when you turn, when you pull, when your abs roll, when your hips twist, all things related to a throwing motion, those are all going to still activate and, and hurt because they're yanking on these cracked cartilage. I don't, I don't know, man. I'd, you can be as tough as you want to be. Sometimes they're stupid. All, all that to say, I don't know if judging the the uh, Herbert on last week's performance is fair, but I, I just I, I think that that's a, a good Chargers team. I think if you're looking at this team, kind of looking for for answers on the offensive side, I just don't think you're going to fa- find them against guys like Derwin James or Asante Samuel. No, probably probably or, not. Uh, Jackson in the yeah, second. Yeah, probably not. But I, but I, but my hope is maybe. Jacksonville did something that's just so easily copyable that even our offense can be like run to the twenty and turn around. You know, you know what I mean. Like they're gonna run, they're gonna run zones that cover the left side harder than the right side. So overload the right side to find the open man. Give us something that we can work with. Hopefully, if not, then yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to. I, this is. It, it'll be entertaining as hell because these two teams traditionally especially for Houston this year, very bad in the fourth quarter. We're going to get to that in a minute as well as maybe losing is better for Houston in the long run anyways this season. But first, Corey, let's hear from some sponsors. All right, guys, let me tell you all about it's never a good idea to drink and drive. But what if you had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs. Someone who doesn't Someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has spent 150 hours in accredited courses learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer that ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases. Your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asen is a designated lawyer scientist and the lawyers at Asen Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call ASIN Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's ASIN Law Firm at 832-209-2297. Or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. And then also I want to make sure that I tell you guys about the latest party to hit the Houston scene. Custom Geek Parties. Everything from corporate team building exercises, geek themed weddings, RPG parties, board game parties, or cosplays parties, and more... 
Call Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle Geek Party at 281-746-4260. Gamers Inner Circle, are you in yet? So, it has been thrown around the Houston Texans stratosphere, the... Uh, talking points around the Houston Texans, articles you pull up on the web. It appears that people are leaning into the idea of the Texans tanking this season away. I get that. That's probably not the right terminology because you can't really tank like you can in the NBA in the well, NFL. Well, it's starting to creep into sports, so I'm okay with calling it tanking. I'm just a little disappointed that it's already started in week four. <laughs> Well, and that's a great lead into my question for you, Corey. How do you feel about the idea of the Texans potentially doing a version of tanking? Are you fine with them just kind of being preposterously bad in fourth quarters or just not addressing maybe problems on the offensive line or not being aggressive at the trade deadline, not uh, j just focusing on – developing young talent and, and more one-on-one -on -one coaching versus trying to win games. Okay, so I will say that in Houston particularly, there are some good examples of these quote-unquote tanking rebuild situations. The Astros are a great example of that. They, won, they lost 100 games in back-to-back -back years, uh, two, maybe three years. I, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't recall. Uh, and we were then on the cover of Sports Illustrated in like 2014, predicted to be the 2017 Sports Illustrated World Series champions. So there was a reason for the madness. There was a reason for the depression. There was a reason for the losses. And it was with that goal of mine that they built the team that they now currently have and are experiencing all the success with. And now they have so much talent that they keep letting guys go it drives me crazy because I'm like, I don't know why you keep letting proven talent leave because eventually you're going to accidentally let the wrong piece go. But that's an argument for another day because they think now that they've tanked so well that they have so much talent. The Rockets are in the second phase of something very similar where they basically, when it became pretty clear that we had blown up our roster numerous times for James Harden and it wasn't going to work, and we then moved James Harden on, it became very obvious that other than just swapping out the same five guys around the league that everyone keeps moving, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Jay, uh, John Wall, that there was nothing else to do because we, we didn't have the picks and the commodities. So we needed to build those back up. So we moved those guys out. We get the, the, the picks back in. And we had an awesome first draft class. And the second draft class seemed to be really, really good as well. So it's, it kind of leaves us in a feeling that we are now a very deep, young team with nowhere to go but up. So in some respects, it can work. And Houston, as a city, has shown that we're a patient city. We just like winning. We're willing to lose if it means we're going to win. The problem in the NFL, though, is no one, and I, and I include the great Bill Belichick in this, has seemed to figure out how to consistently and successfully draft the quarterback that makes your franchise special. So because we're, everyone is perpetually guessing at the one position that matters, 
until you guess correctly, I can't say for certain that it's a good move or not. And that's the scary part. Because we could go, we could build a heck of a team and then turn around and be exactly where the Colts are, where they have to go sign a guy like Matt Ryan, who then struggles the first two games, shows a little bit of a flash of himself, but I think that's going to be the story of their year, where seven of the games he's going to cost you, and four of the games he might win you, and then it's, are you good enough to carry out the balance of those games? And I don't, I, I don't know if they are, and that's going to wind up being our problem unless we somehow get the quarterback position correct. Well, and that's the. I think that's the idea of drafting, though, is part of the methodology, right? It behind tanking and being bad is is having more shots at the dartboard, so to speak. And if you're going to have a lot of shots shots at the dartboard of the draft. This is the one to do it. Yeah, no. I mean, but the problem last is, last year it was a little desolate as right. far as quarterbacks. This year, there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks. But, but that's sort of draft. the problem is it because the way quarterbacks work, it takes two or three years to know if you got the right one. So even if we're in loser mode for the next two years, because that's the other thing is like our roster is empty. We have no talent anywhere. So we're going to need two drafts worth of picks just to kind of restock the cabinet, so to speak. So it would be great if the whatever quarterback we draft or if they get it figured out with Davis Mills and he becomes the guy and we have it for the next four years. But if it's if it, if that's not going to be the case and we have to keep going back to the well and keep throwing darts at the dartboard at quarterback, the rest of the team is going to age out. Like, And that's basically what happened with this last iteration of the team is by the time we figured out a quarterback and it was Deshaun Watson, unfortunately – J.J. Watt was old and Clowney was too expensive and we had given too much money to Whitney Merciless because when the three of them were together, they were they were great. But then as the pieces start coming off the board, suddenly Whitney Merciless is too expensive on his own because he's not as good without the rest of the help. So you start to wonder, oh man, what what do we have now? And we didn't have very much because the it didn't all happen together. Like for the Kansas City Chiefs, the run that they're on right now is because a lot of the pieces are aging up together. And that works. So now they're just, just about constantly plugging in the holes as they develop. And how long can the Chiefs do that? Well, ideally, they can do it as long as Patrick Mahomes is special. You know, it's just like the Rams. Matt Stafford changed a lot of hearts and minds this last year. I was of the belief that he was not good enough to ever win a game because in Detroit, he wasn't. So when they make the playoff run and they're in the Super Bowl and they win the Super Bowl, well, Matt Stafford gets to take a victory lap now. You know, oh, the team was so good, but yes, but he's the guy that got them over the hump. And so, if you have to keep going back to the well, it is a problem. No, I I mean, there's definitely some risk I- involved, but I guess the the flip side that you mentioned is this purgatory of the Colts kind of being fringe a fringe playoff team that's never really an actual contender. right so if you're going to strip it down to the studs like it might be more it might be more immediate even if it's like a three-year rebuild i mean the colts have been spinning their tires for i uh, for the last yeah exactly years so if you're comparing if you're comparing the two i guess i would rather just devote to the tank and and go all in and it's a, a tough line to balance too we talked about this in the preseason it's a tough line to tote 
because I don't know if I necessarily want to I don't know if necessarily committing to a tank so to speak means that I'm fine with them trading away every good piece they have because then how are you supposed to get to this if you get to the end of the season and you don't have any receivers and you trade away like Laramie Tunsil and you don't have an offensive line how are you supposed to tell if a guy like Damian Pierce is good because like maybe he didn't play well but of course if you traded away all the good pieces around him on the offense he's not going to perform well so this team is going to find ways to lose games just fine on their own I don't know if that means you necessarily have to just go scorched earth on the roster to, to lose games and I think that's kind of the line you have to tote if you're somebody in the the Texans position. yeah and that is sort of the thing right like privately we were texting back and forth and you were like, okay, I guess it's time to have the tank conversation. And my first response was, do you not have enough faith that they're going to lose these games naturally? Like they don't, they don't need to do anything really particularly special to go out there and just break hearts. Anyway, they're, they're going to text Texans are going to text in when they text in. And that's going to be kind of the story of this year is, Oh, they were so close in this game and almost in that game. Uh, in the, in the Discord for all the writers and all that right here for the Texans team for SB Nation, there was a, there was a guy who, who said, you know, if you circle about four key plays in each game, the Texans are dangerously close to 3-0. and And that might be true. But if you circle, you know, the the plays that actually did happen, there's only it only takes three or four plays for them to be even worse 0-3 instead of the 0-2-1 that they are. Like, it's... You can always circle something, but the reality is this team is going to lose this year. And yeah, Larry Tunsil actually does create a long-term issue because he is probably not part of the future iteration of the Texans. So it is it is sort of a look at, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're just going to let him, maybe he'll be the, again, next year, two years from now, we have the most cap room in in the entire NFL by $30 million. We've talked about it a couple times now, $194 million. I guess they can afford to re-sign Tunsil if they really want to. So maybe he's just the one veteran that they just ride it out with, and he becomes Grandpa Laramie. I don't know. But uh, it is curious what they're going to – what are they going to be willing to get rid of to keep making this team better and staying young while they find the quarterback and the other pieces? It, well, and that brings me back full circle to the question. Uh, and I'll ask it in a different way as opposed to tanking. We, or I should say, I thought that the Bears would probably be the worst team in the NFL. Now, we have a lot of season to go. There's plenty of contenders for is the belt. Is there? But <laughs> I, 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 think, I think there's a couple of, of contenders for that belt. But if we get to the end of the season and the Texans are, what, 1-15-1, do you look at it and say, Wow that was just an absolute disaster or do you look at it and say you know what that's a tough pill to swallow but i think this it, is for the if best. the season continues as it's gone right now then it would be an incredible disappointment because these games have all been competitive close games that we just give up in you know what i mean if if we if if we go a 9 or 10 week span where we lose by real numbers uh if, if going into this week against the Chargers, if the Chargers put up 30 unanswered in the third quarter and everyone's just begging for this game to be over, then then that's going to be different. But if we go the whole season and we lose every game within the margin of the spread and 
threatening over-unders all season, then yeah, I'm going to be frustrated with that year. Because that means that if we'd have just known what we were doing, we might have won half of those, if not all of them. That's, uh, no, that, that's, that's fair. And I think that's probably how a lot of Texans fans will feel at the end of the season. Speaking of some of this frustration that you feel and why they're losing some of these games, these fourth quarters have been an absolute disaster. We're going to dive into some of these numbers. But first, Corey, let's hear from Alrighty. another sponsor. Uh, it's time to trade in your face masks for paintball masks. Load up the hoppers and go to war with your friends. Too hot? Too rainy? Too cold? Splat Zone has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family because it's family-friendly and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. It's a family-friendly, low-impact experience. They're not trying to get out there and bruise a guy up. They want everyone to come out and have a good time and play some Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. My understanding is they're working on building some, some youth leagues. They want to get people out there and have fun and play a lot of games. So check them out. Get out there and have yourself a great time at Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. So these fourth quarters have been a disaster, to say the least. Fourth quarter in overtime, the Texans have zero points through three games. I actually went through and looked drive by drive through three games, every single fourth quarter, and including the overtime, added up their drives and the Texans have eight punts, two turnovers and two turnovers on downs in through that is three fourth quarters and an overtime period, which is not great. Did that not take you like all. all of 10 Corey, minutes to do? Because like we are hardly even there in the fourth quarters. <laughs> they're barely alive. Well, and then I like, you can go in and look on and go play by play on each one of these drives and a lot of them you notice a trend where a lot of them they're starting out and there's I, I believe it's three drives of these eight punts that start out and it's a fumble which the an offensive lineman uh, a lot of times AJ Kane he's jumping on these things but usually an offensive lineman jumps on it but you're already starting up behind the sticks or it's a sack and then all of a sudden I, I noticed a trend where it's a lot of incomplete pass, incomplete short pass to Nico Collins, incomplete short pass. So then you're behind the sticks already. Now you're trying to just get some positive yards, but you're nowhere close to the sticks. It's an incompletion. Uh, and now you're looking at a, a third and very long. That was a lot of their stats. It was a lot of Rex Burkhead in these fourth quarter drives. It was a lot of, uh, of drives that really fizzled out in the, the first four to, to six plays. They're not even long drives that you're you're having frustrations like the Broncos maybe in the red zone or like the old Bengals teams with Andy Dalton that used to be really good from 20 to 20 <laughs> and then just w played horrible once they reached that like 25, 20 yeah, yard mark yeah. on the other side yeah. of the field. Uh, it just seems like they can never get anything going, which is strange because – it's not like this is a juggernaut offensively, but they are in these games until the fourth quarter, and then they're happy to give it away. And there are a couple of telltale things that you see in each fourth quarter. But, Corey, when you're looking at these fourth quarters, what are you seeing? Depression. Uh, anxiety. <laughs> um, 
a lack of a will to live. Uh, no, I, um, when I see these fourth quarters... I can't tell if you're talking about yourself or the Texans. Uh, That's the sad part. Both, honestly. Uh, we're in the same group meets during the week where we talk about our feelings. It's all the Texans, me, and then some nice. guy lives on Hempstead. I don't even know what he does for a living. Uh, no, I honestly, it's, it's a depressing thing because they do seem to just kind of... Okay, going back to the Colts game. They had a little bit of an energy in that third quarter... And then the fourth quarter shows up, and the Colts had scored right at the top or right at the end of the third, right at the top of the fourth, somewhere right there. And it seemed to really kind of make the Texans nervous. The announcers were like, oh, we got ourselves a game here. And I think they were only down seven or something like that. And all of a sudden, you could just feel like the collective kind of like puckering of buttholes on the Colts, on the Texans' sideline. And, yeah, I don't know if they just are playing too conservative or – but then on the flip side, in the Bears game, they got hyper-aggressive trying to go down the field, and it didn't look any better. So it's it's sort of a weird... Just, I, I, the word, I would guess, is like general incompetence. But it's not great. Like, it's really not great. Like, this last this Chicago game, I had almost... I mean, watching it, sitting there on the couch watching the game, I had almost zero... Zero hope that this was going to result in anything positive. Yeah, they lost in the Chicago game. They lost to a team that attempted 23 passes. That hasn't been done since the 70s. That's a bad stat. That's a bad stat. A team to win and, and throw uh, 23 or less pass attempts. I would, have said a, I would have said a Dak Prescott team uh, had done that, but I guess not. No, they throw all the time. They do have, they have a lot of attempts. They do have a lot of attempts. I don't know, but attempts for sure, they're they're passing that. Yeah, I don't. I just no in these fourth quarter. I don't see it's it's a lot of confusing play calling. Like I said, Rex Burkhead. There was, I mean, we hammered it in the Colts game. There was about six plays in the fourth quarter in overtime that you just go, why was that the choice? And some of these, they're just bad throws, bad reads. Uh, sitting there with my buddy, we were saying like, okay, it's 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 third and five. He's got to throw to the five-yard line, or he's got to throw five yards down the field. Nothing less than that's acceptable. And he would dump it short, and he'd be like, okay, well, that's not what you need in those situations. Let me throw a little gasoline on your fire there. Uh, Mills Davis, in the fourth quarter of games, is converting, is is completing 48% of his passes for a QBR of 46 Ugh. Versus last year, he was completing 64% of his passes in the fourth quarter for a QBR of 88. Well, you know what? That's a that's a fantastic stat poll. Let me Ooh. go stat for stat with you. Yeah, Next let's do Gen this. Stats has has the total the time to throw uh, averages for for quarterbacks. Davis Mills is at 2.6, which you look at like Tom Brady, he's at 2.4, and some of this stuff can be skewed to well, some guys. Tom Brady is yeah. wanting to get the ball out quick. He doesn't. Tom he doesn't Brady want you to touch to him. The, rid of the ball. I don't think. I don't think Davis Mills wants to get rid of the ball. I think, uh, and you see, you go through their play sheets, and you see a lot of like deep concept stuff to. Collins and Cooks that they're trying to work in stuff that you need time to develop. Here's here's the ballpark range of who he's with. Kyler Murray is at two point five, 
and we know the offensive line trouble they've had and all the all the running around he has to do to make plays work. Joe Burrow, we know the offensive line trouble they have had in Cincinnati. He's at 2.66. This is not good company to keep if you're trying to develop a young quarterback. And so some of this stuff can be deceiving, but when you go when you pair that number with just the dink and dunk stuff that he has to settle for or the stuff that is built in because they're having offensive line trouble and they're having trouble keeping that pocket clean. You've seen all the multiple games now where Mills has multiple fumbles that the offensive linemen have to recover. You pair that with a quick clock in the pocket and the fact that you remember that Bucks team, Greg Schiano's Bucks team, where it was their offense was kind of devolved into run two downs and then a deep shot to Vince. Yeah, Jackson. yeah, yeah. You remember that team? It kind of feels like some of these drives they come out and that's the that's the methodology, that's the play sheet that Houston's working with, and sometimes. And then it seems like other drives, they react to that and say, well, we got to keep everything short and everything is behind the sticks. It kind of just reeks of a team without confidence and an offense without a true. Well, and, and you see that when they when they make some of these calls, there was a there was a screen pass in the in the Bears game. I think they went to that well two or three times too many because the screen was working a couple times because the Bears were aggressive. Well, then the Bears realized, oh my God, these guys aren't moving the ball at all. Uh, let's just cover the screen and everything else because, again, they're doing nothing. And sure enough, we kept going to the screen, and after that, like it was a negative earner for us. It wasn't working. Um, so to compound your, I tell you what, I'm also tired of going to the Rex. Oh yeah, there's because well, that's not. You know what? Unless Damian Pierce throws the ball, literally throws the ball to the other team. Let's I, I got to be honest. I don't actually think Marlon Mack was wor- could could have been worse than Rex Burkhead. So I'm the longer we see Rex Burkhead, the more I wonder about the Marlon Mack cut. Um, I'll, let me let me add some fuel to your fire there. You talk about how he has the, some of the fewest time to throw. We are only pressured on eighteen point four percent of our passing plays. That's third fewest in the entire NFL. So guys are getting to us out of base formations, non blitzes. We are we are literally facing some of the vanilla defenses because teams don't believe in our ability to execute. This is all to say, I think, if I read into what you're saying and I <laughs> I read into the stats we're giving, this is all to say this is a problem that's probably not going to go away well, anytime soon. It's – it's listen, it, you can say you're, that your offensive line is showing improvement, but when you're not getting blitzed and your quarterback is still having some of the worst dropback times in the NFL, then you – the Texans have to be able to fairly evaluate this data. You know what I mean? Like they've got to be able to make accurate decisions. And so if it's, I do think this is part of it. I will say this. I don't think Davis Mills has learned what a hot read is. Uh, I need him. I need him pre-snap to, I want to see him give a hand sign to a guy somewhere on the line where he's like, bro, they're coming goggles, goggles. Like you and I, do we see the same thing? And I need the other guy to, to goggles, goggles back. 
I see it. I'm your hot. I got you, bro. And you don't see it. You don't see them doing it. You don't see them... When they do come, when seven guys line up the Denver game, the Denver did this like three or four different times where they just walked up to the line of scrimmage. Seven or eight guys standing at the line of scrimmage that were all like, we're probably coming. Some of us are probably coming. This is probably a blitz on some level. And he tried to move the line around, but what he didn't do was he didn't go, hey, my hot guy, get ready for the ball because it's coming. And instead he held it and tried to go through his progressions like there wasn't a blitz. So I do think that's part of it. He's got to be aware of these situational situations. That's not a thing. Situational situations. That was some sports radio. He's got to be aware of the situation around him and know. You athletic athletes <laughs> need to make situational situations work. For His them. situational you know situation saying? awareness is off the charts. He's got to. He's got to know though when he looks at. <laughs> When he's in a situation, he knows about the situational situations that he needs to be in. I'm just saying, don't put yourself in a questionable <laughs> situation. I, I, he needs to know that he's got to. No, he's got to. He's got to know should. to bail out of those things. He's got to know to go to his hot. I see almost no hot read throws. And, and by and anybody who watches football, I know I throw a lot of terminology. I play way too much man, and I watch way too much football. The plays were Tom Brady is talking to the receivers for way too long and the play clock is at one second and you're incredibly nervous that something that they're going to get a penalty and then they hike it and Tom Brady takes one step back and immediately throws it at a guy that was probably a hot read situation where when he lined up he saw something in the defense where he said I need to get rid of this ball right away and then he went to his receivers and on every play there's a guy who's supposed to be like my defender is the blitzer so I will be ready for the ball immediately because I'm going to be open short, hence I'm your hot read. And it doesn't happen. It's just, you're not seeing it out of Davis Mills. I think another thing that really helps is just having some consistency, whether that's uh, a guy, I mean, like Cooks was his guy that he could go to consistently and it seems like teams are, are kind of taking that option away and so he needs like a second guy well, that, that was can really trust that, feels like that was nico collins remember that, that was or it's two touchdown oj howard this is the thing we have people that you could peg with the football he could he could nail some of these guys down the field with the football and they'll catch it but the problem is he throws it high where they're jumping and throwing their arms over their head to try and catch it they're they're having to come back to balls that are too short I mean, it's just, he's not on the same page with, with the receivers. It, Nico Collins, this is a make-or-break year. This guy either wants to be a football player or he doesn't. Because I promise you, there's not another team who's going to sign you if the Texans cut you. Anybody who's getting cut from the Texans can join a practice squad. That's about as good as it's going to ever get. Uh, we are, you were talking about in the running for worst teams. We are the Roman Reigns of worst teams this year. We are undisputed. We get both the belts. We get the Usos behind us. Everyone's going to put ones in the air. We are the number one worst team in the NFL. There's no doubt about that. Um, at least in my mind. It, somehow I was having a debate with a buddy of mine who wanted to maybe put us bottom five and still was trying to pick teams worse than us. I After this week, I don't know how. I don't know. I am convinced we are the worst team in football, though. Yeah, I mean, 
probably. You can always go the route of oh, the Raiders. Yeah, but I would take Derek Carr over eighty-one on our roster. Raiders have a, I think, a clear route. Listen, they have a brand new head coach on on what is a talented football team, and Josh McDaniels is not a good coach. I think that's the mistake that they made there. His track record isn't even great as a head coach. I was. There's certain guys who keep getting brought back in, and I'm always kind of curious about like what are they, what are they doing back? Like who, like when Bill O'Brien gets his second head coaching job, wherever that may be, the first question I will ask is, as a head coach, what is he doing back? Um, Josh McDaniels though, in Denver, you know they had the one playoff run with Tim Tebow as quarterback, and that was it. That was it. They had nothing else to show for for what they did there. And then in the Oakland situation, when he was the Raiders coach, he got fired like immediately for something in the stadium. Was it that? Was that him, Josh McDaniels? Like six so. games in, the owner accused him of like doing things to lose on purpose or something like that. Like it was messy. It was bad. And at that point, he goes to go be the quarterback guru in New England again and help out Tom Brady. Like Tom Brady needs somebody's help. Um, but I don't. I, we're in trouble. <laughs> I think, I think that these fourth quarter problems are probably going to be a, a pretty key characteristic yeah. of, of the Texans seeing. Yeah, and you know what? Like forward. we can we can kind of try uh, and criticize Pat Hamilton and the play calling, but the truth is, when you look at these numbers from Davis Mills, it, it it seems pretty obvious that this is on him. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of it is in the lap of, of the quarterback at the end of the day, which uh, is, I guess there's some merit to that because now you can focus on fixing that in the draft and trying to put your energy towards that because he is probably not the guy, which I think is becoming more apparent as the weeks. Well, and, and I want to be very on. clear, he can I, maybe turn a corner or something. Like, I don't want anyone to think that I've given – there's a lot of football left. He could, he could learn from these mistakes, but he's got to learn from them. Where we're at numbers-wise right now, he's regressed and regressed badly. Uh, but if at the end of the year he's learned from this and is better, I would want him as my quarterback if he if he is better. That's the thing. Is This is a deciding year for this guy. This His whole career is this year. In one way, that's a great thing. In another way, that's got to be a terrible feeling. No, yeah. And like I said, he's probably not the guy. He could be, but he's showing just as many flashes. Yeah, of and that's the problem. The that is the problem. Is of the yeah, I, that's what flashes. I mean to say. Yes. All right, Corey, we're going to take, we're going to each pick a headline from the NFL that we like just to look broad strokes going forward. But before we do that, All let's, right, let's take a look here. Sponsor. And let's talk about Nico and I's favorite place. The adventure begins, comics, games, and more the stadium. Uh, when you're there at 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, that's the adventure begins. But right there on the second floor of the Marcel Town Center, there is a sports memorabilia and sports card store, the stadium. You can go in there and get all kinds of great, awesome stuff. It's family-friendly, well-lit, uh, clean. It's a wonderful place. The staff is helpful. They have people kind of specializing in different things, and each of them is in their section of the store. So if you're standing in the stadium, you're typically talking to somebody who knows what they're talking about when it comes to the sports memorabilia and the sports cards. So it's an exciting place to go. It's a great place to spend some money. Uh, it's easy to spend money because the sports cards are – they're not cheap, but you can pull these magic cards. You watch on these YouTube videos all the time of people opening a pack, and they get the one of a one and the super rares. The next thing you know, they're holding something worth $40,000. So 
If you're into this, if that's something you want to do, you need to get to the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and More Stadium right there on the second floor of the Marcel Town Center and check it out for yourselves. Go have a great time. Let them know that you uh, you heard us on Battle Red Radio. And maybe they'll give you a hug. You never know. Could get one free hug just from listening to us. Handing out free hugs. That's what uh, that's what we're about. So let's go. Let's take a look at the NFL at large, uh, and, and pick one headline that we liked, one storyline maybe that we like going away for the for the day. I have mine ready. I'll give you a chance to to peruse if you need to, Corey. But my favorite thing that I've seen today or over the last couple of days really is Jaguars head coach Doug Peterson. Uh, first of all, who would have thought that the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Philadelphia Eagles matchup in week four is one of maybe the better games, if not the best game of the week? That's kind of crazy to think about. But also, he said he's looking forward to the Philadelphia return because he understands <laughs> that city, which I get that he is it's probably emotional because he won the Super Bowl there and it, he's probably not dreading going back to that city versus maybe some returns for other coaches. But I do like the idea of a coach being like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I get like, <laughs> I get the, uh, steak, steak sandwiches, uh, the Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, Rocky. I get the city. I know we're going to have a good game. <laughs> I, I think it's funny because there's like Philadelphia will forever be known as the city that booed Santa Claus. They're just this big, Terrible, horrible place where people are always negative and awful. Uh, them in Boston, if you talk to athletes, are two of the worst places to have to go on the road to play. They just hate playing there. Uh, I don't, I don't particularly know what exactly he was going for. Like he was saying, like these are my people. You're the head coach of Jacksonville now, man. Like you don't have to explain to Philadelphia why you like him at all. And honestly, even if you love him, they're gonna hate you. It's Philly. So I don't I don't know why he did it. I thought it was kind of funny. Uh, if I were him, I would try and say nicer things about my team because they're playing really good for you right now. But that might not last if you want to keep showing love to the Eagles. I don't I don't want to pull something out of, out of context. So here's the full the full quote. I'm really again this is according to the NFL uh, website is the full quote. Uh, Oh, geez. I just lost it there. Here we go. I'm really looking forward to getting back there. I understand that city. I understand that passion for football. But now I'm on the other side. It's still a long way away. It's seven days away or six days away. But we have to prepare this week like these last couple of weeks. But I'm looking forward to it, to getting back up there. It's a great place. We did a lot of good things there. And I'm looking forward to hopeful to hopefully the welcome. I, I got this for you, buddy. Uh, the Eagles fans are not. Are not going to be a hospitable place because you won a Super Bowl there for them. You are the opposing coach now. I don't anticipate this being pleasant at all. This is a very also they fired you from Philly. Uh, the idea of understanding the passion yeah. for Philly uh, well, and they football also, when they, you're on their side of it, I think I think that should give you a glimpse yeah. into their methodology and mindset yeah. about how they're going to treat their. Uh, the opposing head coach because they treated well, you, you horribly there, yeah. when you were you there. You got I'm fired. Sure. Like how much? How excited are you really to go back? Because what I can tell you, they're gonna say is not hello. That's uh, that's not gonna be what you hear. Um, 
I get that he wasn't going to come out and say, you know what? Hopefully we can stick it to him because Philly Why? fans are nasty Why not? and we can be nasty to the, the, them on the football. Why not? Just I get do he's it. not going to say that. But it's kind of weird to be expecting. No, just do it. Go the other way. Just forget it. Just, hey, are you excited about going to Philly? I'm excited to go to Philly and beat those chumps. That's what I'm excited about. I'm excited about going and getting the W and shoving it down the throats of Philadelphia, city of haters and traitors who fired me. You're not going to win them back. There's nothing you're going to say that's going to win them back. Why even try? I th- I thought it was amusing. I, th- and I think it's stupid because it only also... makes things worse for him. When he goes, I hope someone holds up a headline of like a paper from the day they fired him a year ago, and it's like Peterson out, and they're just like, "Look at this! This is what we think of you." It's it's gonna be ugly. Yeah, I think that was gonna happen regardless. But it's gonna be it's <laughs> it's entertaining leading up to a good um, game. I like Corey, what you got my story is the Browns being the Browns even when they're not wearing football uniforms. So they're in the first place of the AFC North. They are exactly where they want to be. Two and one. They're 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 in charge of things. And then one of their most important players, Miles Garrett, gets in a single car accident, avoiding an animal. I think I saw that it was a dog or a cat that was on the road and he tried to avoid it. Hurts his shoulder and potentially might be going into this game now with an injury. Um because he wanted to spare the lives of some little woodlands creature. I'm going to go the other way on that. Well, first of all, first of all, I speak for the show. We never want to. Hey, I don't agree to that. I don't agree to that. I will wish injuries on people who deserve them. Let's. Shush you. We, as a show, as a show, we do not want any injuries. We do not want any injuries. I kind of think this is relatable as, this is so relatable that, I mean, you think about this like big guy, this massive individual that is just a mountain of a person that for his job like makes other huge people <laughs> look like little people the fact that he like not only didn't want to hurt a little like like a little puppy or a little kitty and not only did that but also somebody who is such a superb athlete in a sport that requires peak hand eye coordination like struggled to keep his car on the road and unfortunately lost control of his car. That's a very relatable story for somebody who looks absolutely unbreakable. And hopefully he, uh, hopefully he's okay. I know that he sustained some injuries. Hopefully they're just mild and he's able to perform at a hundred percent. So just so I'm clear, your take on Miles Garrett uh, crashing off the road is that he's a gentle Disney prince. And that it's kind of funny that the Beast from Beauty and the Beast can't drive a car. Do you not remember him swinging a... Not fun. Not not funny. Not funny. And not Do you not remember him... <laughs> a gent- I just think it's relatable that you see, you see a defensive end, right? These are the most intimidating people in a sport of intimidating people. And he literally... Like, we've seen him throw massive 300-pound offensive linemen. I think it's kind of relatable that uh, while he's driving along, he's like, oh, I can't hit the animal. I think that's something that I don't all think, of us I do. Think his, and all of us I'll be honest. I think his story action. is a lie. I once watched him swing a helmet at a helmetless Mason Rudolph and try to murder him. Uh, I don't think Miles Garrett really cares about what's alive or dead on this planet. Uh, I think... He wrecked his car, and the story he came up with was, oh, yeah, there was a dog on the road. Um, 
I think it's just hilarious that the Browns, even when they're experiencing success, and the rest of the franchises (laughs) are struggling in their division, they still can't stop being the Browns. That's, I think, to me, the real moral of the story. Uh, You know, I go to uh, talk therapy, and I tell my therapist that the universe is out to get me. I'm convinced of that. And he always has to, like, share with me the sheer stupidity of that statement all the time. He's like, Corey, there's no way the universe is out. The universe is not a living entity that wants to see you suffer. And I'm like, here's the thing. That sounds smart, but you're wrong. And they're wrong about the Browns. The universe is out to get me, and it's out to get the Browns. That's just something we all need to accept and learn. There's a chance that just like the Texans don't have to try to lose, the universe doesn't have to try to get you. It could just be where life gets you on its That's own. a fair point. You know what? I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up this week. I'm going to point it out. My Emmy-winning co-host, Colton, says that you didn't think of all the options. You're a bad therapist now. This is all Justin's fault now. Um... Maybe. <laughs> this podcast is starting to do a little bit of therapy. Let's, let's wrap there on Corey confronting his therapist based off of something I said, which is guaranteed not to work for you. I'm sorry. Are you, are you saying you're not a qualified, time. this isn't the way it's supposed to go? 100%. That's what I'm saying. Uh, nobody should take anything I say seriously. And that's where we'll end, at least as far as this podcast is concerned. Thank you very much for tuning in to another edition of Battle Red Radio. He's Corey. We've had producer Nico making sure we sound nice the whole way through. I'm Colton. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribing wherever you're finding this podcast and coming back because we'll have content throughout the rest of the week for you. That's it for us. 